0: Hello and welcome to the Metapod, the Pokemon podcast It revolves around the evolving meta. Another week, Sean, our first weekend of official play with Paradox Rift. Have you, before I ask and we talk about, you know, all the news that's gone on this week, because there's actually been a good amount of cool news that's gone on. Did you play in any Paradox Rift events?
1: Uh, n- I played in like a local thing mm-hmm. with Paradox Rift. I played Lost Box Roaring Moon um i i felt like that i actually did pretty well and i i went two and two because i was big dumb uh <laughs> one of the games like i just didn't my brain didn't process that there was a uh the the tool on a brute bonnet and so mm-hmm. i declared my two targets for like knocking something out and it, there was another jirachi that i easily could have just knocked out and my opponent pointed it out and i'm like you i was like yeah i mean like that was me being big you take the win Me being big dumb is totally a valid reason for you to win. Like, he pointed out as I declared the attack, and I'm like, I appreciate the honesty. You got
0: this. So what you were telling me is you were 3-1 with an asterisk. (laughs) I mean, yes,
1: yes. The asterisk was also, I didn't play, the one game I lost, I didn't play a Colerisk for five turns or four turns. I just didn't, I went through half my deck and didn't find a Colerisk, and I'm like... I got real far behind and I was like, yeah, that's, yeah that's,
0: that's not gonna go well. That's the auto loss in uh that's the I auto loss box. in Lost Box decks. Yeah. Just shuffle better.
1: Yeah, clearly. <laughs> so but I've played a decent amount of Lost Box. Um and you know, I think I think the results will have some will, will back me up in uh the fact that Roaring Moon maybe just should be in Lost Box, but we'll see.
0: We'll, we'll talk about the LAIC metagame breakdown as long, as well as some results, as well as what we talked about last week. Going over our tier list that we made prior to the event. We're gonna be talking about that, where we were right about, what we were wrong about, some surprises, et cetera, et cetera. But first, as always, we gotta do the five star review. There was a review left the other week from Mr. Milo Milo Cool. Mr. Milo Cool. I believe it's how it's pronounced. I love your podcast. Been subbed to you since the 19th episode. Love this podcast so much. So an OG podcast member. Wow. Coming up on 150 impressive. episodes, you must have nothing else to do. <laughs> uh I'm just kidding. You know, listen <laughs> no, to two guys right here the most random podcast.
1: Amazing. That's what, that's what that yeah, tells me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely definitely amazing. Uh anyways, <laughs> if, speaking of which, it it's always surreal Again, watching the Latin America International Championships, uh, it's always really awesome to hear the Metapod shout out in one of their promos because they interview this person, like, hey, how do you prep for a tournament? And they like mention three podcasts, you know, Uncommon Energy, Tag Team, um, and they mention the Metapod which is really, really cool to be alongside them because they have way more regional wins than we do. Uh, I mean, mean, yeah. like, And they're adding to it as
1: the season continues with (laughs) JW's recent win. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, very Uh, cool. But anyways, we're glad that you really enjoyed the episode as well. And they also mentioned... a recommendation as well, do an episode on the best Pokemon cards to invest because I would love to invest in Pokemon cards. I don't know. We don't have a bunch of knowledge in that, I would say. But if you want some recommendations, buy a booster box, hide it for 40 <laughs> years. That's I mean, that's if you that's the way to invest.
1: I will say this, too. If you want, if depending on how much money you got, if you want mm-hmm. to invest Japanese promos, are always a I think a pretty decent bet because a lot of pokemon is printed into oblivion now that's not to say it's not great i mean i love all the fancy cards but japanese promos tend to do really well you're not going to get like to the moon right in this day and age but you know real profit yeah i think i think japanese promos are not, not a bad way higher buy in but, but probably yeah. worth it in long term
0: I will say if you do want to buy the special illustration rare Miriam from Scarlet Violet base set, is $28 right now. It used to be, I think like a couple months ago, it was like a $60 card. Okay, and on, on release down. it was over a hundred dollars. Yeah. So if you, if you want to, if you wanted a supporter to invest in, there's the one, but anyways, <laughs> Sean, we got a bunch of other things to talk about in here in the uh latin america international championships as they've been doing lately um i realized i didn't give you the correct link link. sean i have the link Uh, i i know but i realized in the discord uh chain that i have (laughs) i didn't paste the correct link anyways Pokemon has been doing this thing with Twitch drops and things like that. And they've done this even longer. They've been giving away drops and uh, codes that you can promote in uh, PTCGL uh, to get free cards and stuff. And so international championships, they usually do one. So they gave out an iron Valiant EX special illustration rare in there. So. We'll talk about Iron Valiant. You may want to build a deck here in the near future. If you want to build one on PTCGO, you can save some currency by typing Paradox L-A-I-C in the redemption code to get it. It expires on November 27th at 6 UTC, a limit of 100,000. I don't know if Pokemon's ever run out. I don't ever recall it running out, but it expires on November 27th. So just do it after you know Thanksgiving. When everybody's sleeping after Thanksgiving, you know, eating the meal, just log on to PTCGL real quick and redeem the code.
1: I also want to point out, somebody pointed something out to me, Justin. uh, Mm -hmm. Justin Basil, Basil, I never, anyway. Our unofficial
0: editor of the podcast.
1: Uh, But Justin, we we talked about, you know, future and ancient Pokemon when we did, you know, some discussion Mm -hmm. on like what they were like last week. He pointed out Ultra Beasts as an example of what this is. Style, mechanic, whatever you want to call it, maybe more closely related to, which gives a much longer lifespan. I think to this, uh, you know. And I was like, I thought about that. I'm like, actually, it's a, it's a good example because you also see in the background of this Iron Valley and alternate art, you do see a future Tyranitar We don't know what the mm-hmm. name of it is yet. Maybe it's in the video games, and I just don't know. But I don't think it's the in
0: name. the video game. You just don't know about it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. then I just don't know.
1: But we see <laughs> they a just don't have a card yet. We see a future version of what looks to be Tyranitar. And so I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty big hint that there's definitely going to be more. And um, so, yeah, I I think it may be an Ultra Beast uh, spiritual successor more than anything. But I just wanted to throw that out.
0: I do agree uh, in that conversation, but there's a lot to be excited about in Pokemon. But if you're looking for products in terms of decks products for the 2023 world championships are coming out the yearly decks that come i think we talked about it last year when the 2022 world championship decks came out this is a product especially if you know you want some cool proxies you want some of the stuff from worlds you know they got coin pin um a small deck box that's not really a deck box it's just like 60 unsleeved cards. But you get a pack of sleeves as well. I think in there. Is it a pack of sleeves? No, you don't get a pack of sleeves. No. Anyways. No, 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 no. It's a it's a um a booklet and a playmat poster. That's what I'm thinking of. Anyways. I'll go through this in official news term so pokemon has revealed what decks they're going to give out for the 2023 worlds decks like they do every single year we know vance kelly's mu v max which won the world championships that's going to be a deck we probably could have guessed that so the second mu v max deck in a row because 2022 worlds yeah, yeah 2022 worlds had won the shape of Mew by andre chison um, we also have Tord Recliffe's Guard of War EX, the runner-up in the Masters division, which I think that one we probably could have expected, you know, brand new deck as well, very, very strong, and toward a very recognizable name. We also have the senior division winner Lugia V Star from Gabriel Fernandez, and then Xiao Tong Yen's Lost Zone Toolbox deck, the junior winner. So Four different decks, very, very different decks, I would say. Very, very cool. Uh, Very interested to see them.
1: Yeah, and I will say, shout out to Gabriel Fernandez, because uh, Mm -hmm. he also was the Seniors winner of LAIC.
0: Yes, uh, he was. So really just on a tear lately, actually, Gabriel has been. Gabriel is definitely climbing the ranks of like all-time Senior Players. I would say um, Lucena also probably. I don't know how old Gabriel Fernandez is. Uh, whether they're new to seniors or been there for a couple of years, but um, definitely a player to look out for once they and hit correct, the Masters division. Did,
1: did he win the seniors division? I'm Am pretty I'm... sure
0: he won the the senior division. I think so. I could be wrong. Yeah.
1: someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think so. Anyway, anyways, anyways
0: <laughs> I think he won with Iron Hands
1: yeah if
0: memory serves me correctly yeah because there's a video of him doing the winning thing and then he's doing the the iron hands clap (laughs) thing or whatever handshake i don't know what you want to call it but anyways these will come out on march 1st so it'll be a while from now we don't even have product images of the new decks but definitely something to put on your list of products to get in the near future because i love the world's decks i think i think they're really really good you can't use the cards for competitive uh tournaments and stuff like that but they're really good for you know keeping the history of the game and just you know they could be cool proxies too
1: yeah i, I know some people just collect all four of them put them into boxes and sleeves jake is one of them and then just Me. like run back old World's formats with them you just i actually did decks. that like
0: I did that two nights ago. I ran back 2018 Worlds. Robin Scholes is uh, Zorak GX and uh, Zorark Garboer, and then I can't remember the person's name, but it was Buzz Rock.
1: Ah, nice, nice.
0: Yeah, I played All against right. myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, last piece of news today before we get to the big news that is Laic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked before, I believe, about the Japanese shiny set that was announced. Um, we also talked, I think about how for us, like the shiny Pokemon, the allure of it maybe has dropped and died down since we got special illustration rares, but the speculation about, okay, well, when will that set come to America has been answered. Uh, and the name of our set is, is, uh, I, Pokemon has got to start finding better names because it just feels like every time it's just starting to become a little mashup of previous names, but this one's called Paldean Fates. Um, so if I you remember, if you remember Shining Fates, and if you remember Hidden Fates, well, here comes another fate. Um, but this set is going to be uh, released on January 26th, so around the same time as Crown Zenith last year. Um, so this one is definitely sort of cementing, I think, the fact that our release schedule is getting very close to Japan's now, like within weeks. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this may just be our new shiny time of year, is January, like mid, late January. So, maybe. Which start is interesting your that it
0: doesn't come before Christmas, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. You, yeah. You know, you the do holiday wonder, season. <laughs> you do wonder, like, hmm, I wonder if sales for this are. But hey, I will say, if you're a company, it might be a good way to jumpstart your sales in the new year. Right. Maybe it actually would not look good.
0: Yeah. I mean, because I mean, people buy you release a new set, but also there's Christmas money that people spend. There's yearly bonuses that people probably spend. Um, So it's actually probably a little bit better than what we give it credit for. Um, Thank goodness it's not releasing during Black Friday. (laughs) Oh, my God. I you see the videos of people beating each other up for stuff on Black Friday. Think about that. But 10 times more with Pokemon cards
1: yep uh yeah i'm like i'm i'm kind of happy that things have died down a little bit in the fall with pokemon but um yeah i mean it's it's all the stuff we've talked about 240 cards a bunch of shinies shiny EXs. the one thing i will say um there's a couple of things actually one of them is that uh the shiny charizard mm-hmm. will be in a tin and not something that you will pull from the packs which will be interesting. That might make the tins very valuable to keep sealed, but it, um, it's interesting. They're putting something that would be a chase card like that, mm-hmm. not in the pack. So definitely, Sean, you think,
0: know that the special illustration, rare Charizard from obsidian flames is going to be the chase card in the set, right? Is that confirmed or a gold is version? Uh, this is common. This is common sense. Okay. This it like is this neither prediction. what it, it it's it. I don't. I don't even want to call it a prediction. I just think it's eventual fate. Okay. Uh, but, so but yes, it the, is the Charizard really, really cool. that
1: has because this is the well. I guess the question is this Charizard that's featured here is the teratype. that's just like
0: the full art. Yeah, it's just the full art Terra type try and see. This is how convoluted Pokemon is now. It's like we're debating on which type <laughs> which we're Charizard. talking about. Yeah, so I'm talking about the. This? Oh, the special Jake. illustration, the one where it's like more centered and straight up. And he's like, Rah! he's almost like T-posing in there. And it's the card that we were like, this doesn't look very good. But then it started coming out IRL and we started looking at it in our own hands. And we were like, oh, this card kind of slaps, actually.
1: Now, Jake, I would like to throw you a competing prediction now that I've thought about. OK, it, which is we will actually get a shiny version of the other Charizard from the Pokemon 151 set. The fire type.
0: Mmm. I think that's probably a good guess. I wonder uh new prediction on top of <laughs> okay. your prediction of my <laughs> prediction. Uh maybe we'll get two collection boxes, both Charizards, and one is the SI or Special Illustration Rare Shiny Charizard, and the other one is the Shiny Charizard EX fire type.
1: Okay. One of
0: the dark type, one of the fire type.
1: I oof seems like a lot of products to buy (laughs) yeah it it does
0: but yeah that's exactly what they want but you know what we want sean we want the best decks in order to get cp we want prize money because pokemon is doing well out here in terms of its player base and prizing so we've got the latin american international championship results (laughs) in here and sean what section do you want to talk over first with the latin america championships
1: i think that we can start just with the overall meta right Mm -hmm. meta breakdown and give a quick comparison to our um to our predictions because while it might be enticing just to look at the top eight or top 16 and say how does this stack up to our predictions um what you might notice is that the actual breakdown of day one day two day two conversions might tell a different story than just those Top eight decks out of what sixteen hundred players. So mm-hmm. Jake, looking at day one, uh, I want you to give us a rundown. What what does day one look like?
0: So day one, Gardevoir was the most used deck in the room, about 19.3%. We're going off of Poke Stats Live, which is Jared's tournament page. That we talked about because there's some very, very cool points. I did see, I think it was on Twitter, um, the uh, meta breakdowns were posted over there as well. Day one, about 17% um, according to the Pokemon stream, what they showed. So a little bit different in numbers, but generally what we can say is that Gardevoir was the most popular in the room. Charizard EX... Was the second most popular, different variations of Charizard, some with Pidgeot, a lot of them without Pidgeot as well. And then we get into Garatina V Star. Garatina V Star Loss Zone. I think we did talk about how, you know, this deck has a resurgence in this format and it did show in players taking it. Chin Palbax Caliber, Meridon, Roaring Moon, all kind of really within each other, a couple percentage points within each other to round out the top six decks. And then you move into colorless Lugia, fusion Mew and lost box Sableye Charizard.
1: Yep. So, you know, that's day one. I think the, my initial gut reaction is like, Oh wow. That, uh, it does. It's not so far off of our predictions. I think colorless Lugia in terms of the number of people who chose to bring that was a bit, a bit of a surprise to me. Mm. Um, And, you know, based on what people are playing online, I would say Roaring Moon being at only 7% was also a bit of a surprise, right? Where you're like, I'm sure a lot of people who play on TCG Live uh, can attest to the fact that there probably was Roaring Moon everywhere for the first week or two is what I kept hearing. So seeing it at only 7%, I can only think then that the Roaring Moon players maybe just got scared off by the maybe the Gardevoir matchup you know all those single prize attackers just mm-hmm. make the turbo roaring moon just feel really bad to go into that so you know maybe that was um, a big dissuading factor for people but but you know overall day one I think those are the, the couple of things but the fact that Gardevoir is at almost 20% at least on stats is I think backs up our initial uh, idea of it being at tier 0 um and then you look at day two give a quick breakdown here see what changes and then we can look at the conversion Gardevoir still the most played deck in day two so clearly uh had success in day one Giratina, But the
0: thing about Gardevoir war is oh, yeah. it's at 25 percent of the decks in the room
1: yes yeah, so a so it's an
0: even higher percentage
1: yeah so like it, it will get to the conversion but that means that the conversion was super high even for the most played deck which usually mm-hmm. There's like a bit of an inverse relation to that. More As more people play it, you get people of varying skill levels. So maybe the conversion rate drops off, but mm-hmm. not so for Gardevoir. Uh, then the top three really don't change much. You have Giratina, Lost Zone, and Charizard just changing places from two and three. Chen Pao and Rhydon, Colorless Lugia, Roaring Moon. So Roaring Moon drops down a little bit. But for the most part, you might look at day two and think to yourself, okay, well, it's, it seems like just day one a little more exaggerated. Jake, what does that day two conversion, what kind of picture does that paint?
0: Day two conversion really had four, five decks, really, five decks, all with very, very similar percentages. Number one, 21.88 of this deck made it into day two. Colorless Lugia. Sean had the highest conversion rate into day 2, a very safe pick. People said most of the people or I guess I should say compared to all the other decks, most of the people that played Lugia made it into day 2. Gardevoir right behind it by 0.03% yep. as well going 21.85 into day 2. Garatina lost zone and then Charizard right after that. Again, very, very close. Garatina Lost Zone at 2184 and then Sablezard at 2174. So very, very close on those. And then you have still over 20% Fusion Mew. Yep. So two decks really that did not see a ton of play in the event at the start compared to all the others. Surging up in the ranks in terms of the conversion rates of Day 2s. And I think this has a lot to do with you know the people that chose Lugia, the people that chose Mew, have been playing that deck for a while.
1: Yep. If you have a good list down, especially Mew, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't know how much Mew really changed now.
0: Oh, one, yeah, oh I actually, say, yeah. I, there was a, there, there was, was there was a group that probably made up a good chunk of this percentage that did really well, actually. Yeah,
1: there, I will. We can talk about it. Actually, there was one group that brought the tech. The mm-hmm. grass type is it a fusion pokemon i believe as well?
0: It is, yes.
1: Yes, the grass type Celigor uh which i don't know exactly what it does but i just know that it slaps charizard, it slaps roaring moon. It's just it's a single prize bad time for every If dark deck. you
0: move it from the bench to the active, you only have to pay one energy for its attack, one grass energy. So hitting a base of 120 on charizard on roaring moon etc yep. you do um you do what number is that 240 damage yep. with weakness and then that doesn't even include you know the one prize matchups that you can use a cell gore in uh xander perro's list i think he's the one of the group that made it played a 2-2 line of a cell gore which is more aggressive than what we've seen of a Selgor before. We've seen 1-1 one, one lines, um, but now we're on two twos. But it proved to be pretty strong. A lot of Muse making it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one thing where, like, I think there was maybe a, an expectation of a ton of Roaring Moon, which actually mm-hmm. didn't pan out. So I think in retrospect, I think people maybe won't play as many Selgors, because you think about it, and I'm like, okay, well, people weren't even playing necessarily two Meloetas back in the day. So playing four Mm -hmm. cards in your deck just particularly for Roaring Moon when it's maybe not as powerful as people were expecting or as played might go back down to a 1-1. But still, really awesome tech to see. I think they saw it on stream day one and people were just like, this is crazy. Wow, Big brain. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but what you see here on the day two conversion, as we said, Roaring Moon, comparatively, not a great conversion rate. Not a lot of people played it. And of the people who did, Not as many of them made it into day two for Turbo Roaring Moon. Um,
0: I think Roaring Moon's highest placing as a Roaring Moon archetype, mm -hmm. you know, basis and uh, focal point is Roaring Moon. I think the highest placing deck was 90th in the event. Yep.
1: So, you know, not a great showing for Roaring Moon, but really awesome showing for both Colorless Lugia and Lost Box Sableye Charizard. Which, uh, not a lot of people played it, but the people who did, if you know how to run that deck, it's really a good play into a lot of the decks that, you know, people saw in this tournament. So, with all of that said, Jake, before we get into the top 16 and one deck in particular that was not even on these lists that got second place, uh, let's just take a look at our predictions. So, I have it pulled up. On the screen now mm-hmm. but jake you probably have it as well i think the version i have might not have every deck but um in general just going back over this where do you think that we were wrong
0: we were wrong about lugia i think we put lugia when Here's we zero. did the two pod two podcasts ago we were with jared grimes we all put Lugia at tier zero and we had Maridon at the top tables. I think both of those predictions definitely did not go well. I think our chin Pao as well. Well, we had a lot of decks at the top tables. Yeah. Um, so I, mean, I, I, a broken clock is right twice a day, <laughs> but um, I would say
1: my gut says our top tables are actually like everything that's up there. Probably dessert except for lost box Kyogre. I think mm-hmm. we can... That one just doesn't exist anymore. Don't even worry about Kyogre in Lost Box, according to this tournament. But yeah, I would probably... Almost, I would move Lugia down to just top tables, and the only deck that's really in Tier 0, in terms of how many people play it and how successful it is, is Gardevoir. It kind of sits alone at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my gut, but... Um yeah i mean there's just there's a lot of really good decks in the format i think roaring moon like turbo roaring moon i would almost put down to mid
0: i would i would agree i think roaring moon especially after this performance goes down to mid i think it's just one of those things that you know nobody's cracked the deck yet and we'll talk a little bit later about maybe some other ways to utilize roaring moon um because it was shown off in ways that were maybe not super expected in this.
1: And then, you know, I think we got to put some some love back onto Charizard EX. Um, it was played a decent amount. It had a decent conversion rate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's mid. Like, if we're putting Roaring Moon in the category of maybe overhyped, not quite ready for, the, for prime time, I think Charizard came out as actually a pretty strong, like, hey, if you're looking to play a dark type deck, this probably is actually the one to play still
0: um i i would agree that it's definitely the dark type deck to play i i would say what am i trying to say (laughs) i don't know what i'm trying to say i feel like it's like it could be mid but i'm not like fully ready and fully committed to put it at top tables but i definitely think that maybe we underestimated it a little bit um but I don't know if it's worthy to move up a slot. It's definitely the best of the mid decks and definitely like you can tech against it. Like I know um, one player was playing, I think it's Justified Gloves, the tool card that does more damage to dark type Pokemon. So like the mirror match is really good. Your Roaring Moon match, you can knock them out if they don't attack with the the KO anything attack. Um, So there's different options that you can do. in there um that could present itself to be very very valuable
1: the only other card i'll just throw it out there uh and we'll get to it because i think we can move into the top eight now and really did dive mm-hmm. in iron valiant i think when we talked about it my gut was like urshifu was the play just it feels so obvious you ping damage and then you spread damage with uh, rapid strike urshifu vmax but my opinion at the time was the deck has a problem with draw, right? Like you just, you get bad hands, you get bricked. I've tried it with Octillery and like more of a rapid strike injury. And I've tried it without, but someone, some, several people, I think cracked a version of iron Valiant that proved to be quite effective, uh, for the very few people who actually played it. So
0: I think it was last week I was watching Azul. Mm-hmm. um, Really play and put some key pieces together. And I'm not gonna say that he inspired Noah Sawyer to get second at LAIC with this archetype, but I think it kind of opened the doors for people to say, okay, maybe the best partner with Iron Valiant is ta-da N T V. Yep. NTV, if you do not remember, and also don't try to buy NTVs at this point they're way too expensive right now sean they are well they've gone back down they're nine dollars per but on the other day um there was a lot of listings for like 20 some dollars there was a buyout illustration rare at jake oh the special illustration rare um that one is 26 dollars.
1: you know what jake i bought two special illustration rares on day two
0: uh, for $15 each. Ooh, Sean making some money.
1: I'm like, yo, this deck looks fire. And uh, <laughs> so I, I went and scooped a couple up, because I'm like, if I'm going to buy singles, I'll buy the fancy ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, because we all, if you've played the game long enough, you know that a deck that comes out of nowhere and does really well is going to get you know hyped into oblivion. I'm like, yo, let me pick these out before they're 25 bucks a piece.
0: And here we are now in order to play this deck, you need four of them. So NTV, Iron Valiant, NTV being very valuable with the fleet-footed ability, drawing cards. We've talked about, you know, the the Burning Rondo, the Lightning Rondo, Coons, yep. whatever it's called, Rondo. You know, doing damage because this format is so heavy on putting Pokemon on the bench, filling your entire bench. So Entei really maximizing on that with the Magma Basins in there. You can find and put your energies in the discard at the same time with Earthen Vessel. This uh, deck playing a lot of interesting techs as well, like Bravery Charm in here. I think taking a note out of Maridon um seeing how strong bravery charm was jake i'm
1: pulling up the list from noah Mm -hmm. right now he's second place so like since we're just talking about let's just go over it the second place oh i thought you
0: already had it pulled up i'm sorry i can't see what (laughs) you have on screen no
1: yeah yeah so yeah this is just for reference second place deck from noah sawyer total surprise Mm -hmm. keep going jake
0: the bravery charm proven to be real valuable on not only the NTV, but also potentially the Iron Valiant, the Radiant Charizard, the Metacham, the Squawk ability, because you're only playing basic Pokemon in here. So maybe you're playing against the Mirror Match, which didn't really happen because there's not a lot of Iron Valiants in uh, that were played at all. As we talked about, this was a big surprise for a lot of of people this deck playing your typical four vip passes a bunch of switching cards with switch card escape rope switches your fuster booster energy capsule say that five times fast (laughs) but one card i don't think that when we talked about it with jared stuff like that talking about it with this this card this deck plays three colris experiment Hmm.
1: i mean i guess it makes sense if you're like prioritizing just pure draw right Mm -hmm. because you know colris you have to lost on a couple of cards i think the preferred um supporter in the deck is obviously research because Mm -hmm. unless your hand is just like all the energy like all your double turbos or all your magma basins right like you're probably just going to be fine researching it away because your your game plan is you have a lot of redundancy in the items going fast once you get set up you're kind of good to go um I think so, but the Colorist is just the best pure draw supporter in the game uh, because you don't, it doesn't require you to give up anything. You don't have to shuffle and it's just, Hey, draw five and choose two to never see again. Yeah, that's fine. Most of the time with items, you're not going to see them again anyways if they get discarded. So cool.
0: I will say they uh, Noah Sawyer played against three different Gardevoir's of wars in day two, winning against all of them. So yep. having a pretty good, it seems like Guard of War matchup in there, and then playing against some Charizards as well. I think going 2-1 against Charizard EXs. So again, you know, with the pings that it's able to do and with the consistency of just drawing a bunch of cards, you know, squawk ability, research, turn one, colorist experiment, battle VIP passes, four seal stones. This deck can be consistent and super super strong what i will say though sean i don't think the deck is cracked i don't i mean i, I do think the deck is cracked i do this was a fantastic call this was a fantastic <laughs> play that's not what i'm saying is there's been a lot of people complaining on twitter that iron valiant is a problem for the game and is bad for the game and to them i just say you're just mad that you didn't figure out the deck first and and tweet send tweet
1: <laughs> i will say this um i saw jared you know the person we had on the pod uh -hmm. he he ended up bringing chen pao and you know i saw jared's streamed match and you know my question about are you cursed i think still holds a little bit because he got paired up against iron valiant a different player but um someone playing iron valiant and boy howdy jared could not keep a frigibax on the field ever it was just Insta killed every single turn. And like with with Chen Pao, like, you know, if you're playing against an Iron Valiant deck and you have a slower start and you only get one Frigibax down, that Iron Valiant is just taking it out every turn and you're you just mm-hmm. never set up, right? So it's almost like in that matchup, you almost feel like you have to get three Frigibaxes down in the crazy world that they Iron Valiant kill one, Entei kill the other, right? It's possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're with Backs being sixty to seventy HP. You know, there may be a turn to knock out the Backs that you don't even need to use tachyon bits with Iron Valiant. Um, you yeah. could just go straight into the NTV, and uh, to get that knockout. And with Yoga Loop being a thing, you know, Medicham V in there, and especially with Baby uh, Ralts, Comfey, yeah. Sableye, Fridgybacks. There's a lot of turns that you can skip.
1: I think it's very interesting that they've chosen to print Iron Valiant and Devolution TM. I think they're both great mm-hmm. cards. Um, but it's interesting to me that like right when it feels like they're they're hitting their stride with stage one and stage two EXs. And the fact that those EXs evolve from non-EX Pokemon, right? We're not in the V era. We're not in the, you know, we're not in the era of, um, of V maxes or V stars where it's a big Pokemon going into a slightly bigger Pokemon. It's a tiny little thing going into a huge thing now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that like, it seems like they wanted to design around that mechanic. And then they print a card that basically says to that whole design space i'm about to come wreck you and i think to me like that may be what people's frustration is is this feeling of like i felt like we were getting somewhere with stage twos and with exes and here comes this really annoying card and the only way to combat it is to play path to the peak right now Mm
0: -hmm. but all
1: of these stage two decks are abilities so you're like why why have you done this so, anyway,
0: it's a very interesting spot, and I'm curious to see where it evolves from there. Yeah. Um, because, again, like we talked about, Iron Valley Nente was not a very played deck going into this event. Very few people played it. But with its super strong performance and going second, I wonder how that influences the meta share in future events. And I'm curious how the mirror match goes. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I think we kind of saw a bit of it. We can talk about the first place deck now uh, mm-hmm. from Juho uh, Kalama, uh, which was Maraidon. Maridon taking home another big event, a bigger event this time almost in, in LAIC. Um, you know, proving that it wasn't a one-time fluke or anything, that it is a deck that is solid, it doesn't need a lot of new additions, right?
0: I but wouldn't the, even say one-time fluke. I think this is what third time, third well, time now. Cuz JW second, won it.
1: True, but this is the second event it's won. Like whole like whole hog, like won the whole event. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, it was a deck that like we put in top tier, but I don't think it was one that we initially thought like, yeah, this is going to be the one to watch. Not a like people played it, but it wasn't played nearly as much as some of the other decks. But the interesting thing is I think that this deck has a surprisingly good matchup against something like iron Valiant, because you're primarily playing slightly bigger or big basics. Like that's Mm -hmm. your base. And for iron Valiant, like that's awkward because it kind of, that one comes down to who takes the first prize rather than the damage pings. Like your whole iron Valiant play is kind of limited. And then what you saw in the finals that I watched was This weird interplay of like both players not wanting to put the fifth Pokemon on their bench to not give the other player two hundred and twenty damage with Entei. I will
0: say the thing that Maraidon has in terms of that advantage that you were talking about that two hundred and twenty HP very key. Maraidon EX does two twenty. Yes. So Maraidon EX, like you were talking about, maybe has a favorable matchup against it because it doesn't depend necessarily on getting pokemon on the bench or playing this chess game of like okay who's gonna drop the pokemon first um it can just go in there and just start taking knockouts
1: yeah and zapdos i think plays a huge role because Entei, for Mm -hmm. those of you who don't know um is the beefiest of the three legendary doggos at 230 and that's it's an awkward number but you have zapdos you you hit 230 with Now, granted, Iron Valiant can put the damage counters you need to make up the difference, but it takes a little bit more cards to do that, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, and then, yeah, the the sort of the benefit I would say that uh, Maraidon has in this is your energy acceleration is probably more consistent than Entei. Like, don't get me wrong, Entei's is great, but if you don't have a Magma Basin and mm-hmm. your Entei gets blown up, then you're just... You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a one a turn. The, the, the is your
0: difference most. is the, I think the difference is the Flaffy, because mm. the the electric generator I'm not going to say is RNG, but it's, it's basically RNG. You know, playing the electric generators to accelerate the energy, but the Flaffy can just consistently get you just another one from the discard pile to recycle those energies constantly.
1: Yes, I would say in most matchups, like in general, mm-hmm. right, in the field, that is a Big strength of this deck. In the mirror in the matchup against Iron Valiant, um, you just don't play the Mareap or Flaffy at all. Because
0: it Ooh. is a well no, but it's it's Howard. a target.
1: It's a target for Iron <laughs> I Valiant. Know,
0: right? I know, I know, I yeah. know.
1: But like so I, I don't know. It it was just really interesting seeing the chess game of these two decks playing each other because I think it really did come down to who got the first knockout. And I don't know if that meant who went second. I, I can't remember exactly the order of things, but
0: I mm-hmm. did
1: kind of feel like maridon was always like in a better position. So if everybody starts playing Iron Valiant and Entei at your locals, just pull out that old maridon deck. Uh, just be
0: like. I think, <laughs> I think Pokemon did actually recently release uh, new battle decks, League battle decks, with Maraidon EX, um, and I think, I think it has so. Regilecki EX in it um i've been seeing i've been seeing people buy it on my timeline so if you don't have any maridons there's a good place to get your maridons but very very cool deck it's got the bravery charms like we've talked about and it also opting for path to the peak very interesting uh just because like we mentioned everything has abilities nowadays yeah path to the peak just a really strong card
1: and i will say the the real new things for this deck are the one copy of actually double turbo energy, which I hadn't considered. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a Maraid on deck. I don't have a double turbo in there. And maybe my thought process is like, yeah, I'll just get iron hands powered up with, you know, the, uh, the generator that that'll be fine. But the double turbo does maybe make up for not hitting two on uh, an electric generator or having to play multiple generators basically. So I see the value. If you need to hit, you don't usually need to hit 120 exactly. You're usually fine hitting 100 or 110, especially like Lost Box. Ugh. Any Lost Box deck, that Iron Hands it's like, oh, putting in. Works. It's so good. Um, So I think, you know, it feels like maybe this deck, because it doesn't rely on a stage two, like Excalibur, and it, I guess, can be more consistent with Iron Hands because of that, It is maybe right now the better target for Iron Hands in a really big tournament. Like, you could always high roll and go Chen Pao and go Ham, right? Always possible. But, Jake, what else in this top eight caught your eye?
0: I will say Gardevoir caught my eye. This third place Gardevoir deck in here, this is not necessarily something insanely unique i do think there are some unique aspects about it but i wanted to circle back to this because we talked about gardevoir the other week when celios network luke morza won the late night with no battle vip passes in gardevoir which some people thought wow that's crazy This deck did the exact same thing, getting third at the championships. No battle VIP passes, opting for a bunch of draw. The Mirage Step Curlia, I think that's very important as to why you don't go battle VIP passes. Because if you just get off the Curlia, the Mirage Step Curlia, okay, there's all the dudes there. And especially with something like Iron Valiant, right, in, or not, yeah iron valiant in yeah. format you know that's a little bit more hp that you don't have to worry about getting yoga looped
1: that's true um it's definitely like you only really need two ralts down on turn one mm-hmm. because if one of them gets knocked out it's not the end of the world to your point go into that mirage step curly get a bunch of curly out um a lot less pressure i think on this deck um with getting out as many ralts as possible so yeah, I, I think that's a good call. I think the other card that we probably have talked about, but it's just absolutely amazing, is Screamtail. Just, mm-hmm. <clears throat> especially if you're playing it. Now, this list, surprisingly, actually does not have luxurious cape. Um, I was a little surprised to see that, because that limits Screamtail's damage output in this version to only 160. But 160 is more than enough to knock out a Squawk belly.
0: Right. I think the main priority with Screamtail, at least in this list um, that was piloted, I think the main priority of Screamtail is to knock off like little Pokemon that are running away or to finish off an attacker that maybe you could only hit for a, a little bit of damage like with yeah. the uh, Shining Arcana Guard of Wars or maybe you had to hit it with a Miraculous or a Guard of War EX True. Or something like that. Or maybe Chrysalia. you hit with that. I don't know. I think it's more of a finisher and chasing the little guys out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I assume that's what they're playing it as. We have seen some luxurious cape ones that can reach up to um I mean a crazy amount of damage, but typically mm-hmm. like 280 is a good number that you can hit with four, 14 damage on the guy. But yeah, I, I mean overall though, a pretty pretty solid shell that we've seen before. Um one thing I will point out is this one opting for more of like a, a more established list version of one Avery, one Worker, one Professor Turo. Rather than I think some lists we've seen have like three Averies in the list, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good card. But um, just sort of mixing it up with your supporters and playing palpads. So if you really need to get something back or recur it, you can do that. So that's interesting, too, I thought.
0: Professor Turo scenario. Very, very cool card. I will say I also, love the idea of comboing like Turo a Curlia to evolve a Ralts into another Curlia and get oh, another oh, refinement. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's cool. It reminds me of the scoop up net days, although I don't think it's as good as scoop up net in that aspect, but it's still there.
1: Or honestly, um, taking down if, if there's a Gardevoir that has like, even if it's only four damage counters, right? Mm-hmm. There might be a situation where you're like, "Oh, my opponent's going to be able to knock this Gardevoir X out." You just pick it up, and then you just evolve something else into the Gardevoir X. It's fine.
0: And then what you could do also is, if you start out with that crummy Lumineon oh, or that yes. crummy Zashian and you don't need it, well, you yeah. could just pick it right up. Or if you don't find the Collapse Stadium, which there is one in this list,
1: yeah, I think Professor is just a great replacement for Penny because it's just, mm-hmm. to be frank, better than Penny. Is, that's what it is it's better than Penny.
0: um very very cool
1: outside of that i think the next one i want to talk about we did um allude a bit to roaring moon where has roaring moon seen any success and i just want to highlight the evolution of lost box so lost box here generally it's a pretty standard thing like you know for the most part your engine the main cards I'll highlight the differences. Lostbox had a lot more success at LAIC with Radiant Charizard rather than Radiant Greninja. Mm -hmm. And while I'm sure there's always going to be merit to both, um, it seems like the meta is shifting a little bit where most decks are now playing Manaphy. They recognize, especially a lot of setup decks, they recognize the threat of bench sniping and if everybody's going to have a mana fee, then it kind of negates the attacking potential of Radiant Greninja. Um, and that's not to say there's not a lot of value in drawing two cards, but mm-hmm. if you have a deck that has enough draw power, like Lostbox typically has, you might be in a situation where you're like, you know, what's better? Hitting 250 damage is really, really good, especially if you can pair that with some damage pings from Sableye, maybe a Cramorant, whatever. Um, just being able to like make that setup, go in with a one prizer to clean up a uh, lost box Giratina, like a Tina, clean up a Lugia, clean up a, um, Guard of EX, whatever it might be. And then you pair that with, in this version, a one of Roaring Moon. So, you know, I, I certainly did not conceive of Lost Box Roaring Moon. My version is two Roaring Moons and a Greninja. But I might be changing it after this weekend, Jake. Um, but yeah, just having that one attacker that can knock out anything you put in front of it, no setup needed, um, is sort of one of those things that this deck I feel like has always struggled with. Like, you know what what is that thing? Maybe it's Kyogre, but Kyogre requires more setup. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Jake, I think I, that I, this is.
0: I think this is a very interesting list in here because you know we've talked about lost box roaring moon but this one as you were mentioning really opting more on the lost box side of things and roaring moon as just more of a tech option in list because with radiant charizard right the cool thing about radiant charizard is in this roaring moon radiant charizard list you're running four dark type energies and only two fire energies you know sean you've harped a lot on the Uh, radiant charizard and how important it is so valuable that maybe you play that instead of radiant greninja so that might seem a little odd to people but then you remember that radiant charizard requires five energies with no prizes taken um from your opponent which is not very often that you attack with this in that state but if you do need to fill other requirements you only need one fire energy to attack with this radiant charizard so on a mirage gate you can just accelerate the dark energies that you would use uh, for the roaring moon and then when you do need the roaring moon you have plenty of energies to be able to accelerate into that as normal so very very cool list in my opinion sablezard as usual opting for Clara's you know to be able to get a lot of those pieces back the radians are the one fire energy maybe some cram Sableye action as well in there you got a bunch of switching cards battle vip pass um counter catchers this deck Love playing it. two counter catchers in here very very cool cuz you probably know you're going to go down on prizes early so if you play down on prizes for most of the game um Countercatcher is usually always activated and allows you in that turn as well to play a Colverse Experiment, to play a Clara, to play the Roxanne um, and not a Boss's Orders, although you still have a Boss's Orders in this list, of course.
1: Yeah, my only... I mean, look, this this deck got, like, what, fourth at LEIC, so Mm -hmm. who am I to judge? However, the one thing I will say is it always scares me playing a list with only two Psychic Energies because... Even if you think to yourself, oh, well, I have two Cramorants. I got a Zard and a Roaring Moon. Maybe that's fine. But I just think to myself, man, you could have one awkward situation where maybe you get rid of one Psychic early with a colorist or something because you're just like, well, I need the other cards or whatever. And then the other one is the last prize you take. And Sableye is just such a important attacker in Lost Box because it is it's able to get around a lot of weird situations where your opponent is putting things on the bench. It can take like little prizes to make up the prize math. I don't know. Like, so that's the only one where I'm like, I want three, I want three psychic energies, Jake. I'm so, I'm so worried. I'm anxious. It's,
0: (laughs) It's really interesting to see how this has evolved. And I think if I'm playing lost box decks, this is probably the version that I'm playing. You know, I've seen, uh, Pedro Torres hype up Sablezard left and right and left and right. And I'm sure he's excited that Sablezard is getting the recognition now. This list actually placing fifth. Oh um, yes. so just outside of top four, but I mean top eight, they're still like what, a thousand some dollars more richer than I am um <laughs> in that aspect. So uh very, very strong performance, I would say.
1: Jake, before we wrap up, is there any other deck You want to briefly chat about that, like, either made a splash or people should be on the lookout for that we haven't gone into detail with at any other point? Set reviews, whatever. I'd
0: say let's talk about Snorlax. (laughs) Snorlax stall top eight in this event. You're playing the block Snorlax which is your opponent's active Pokemon can't retreat. Retreating is a huge thing in the format, playing a bunch of other characters in there, like the Pidgeot, so then you never deck out, the Rotom to draw cards at the beginning of the game, Mimikyu Safeguard as a typical wall deck, and then playing a slew of supporters. I would say, quick math, there's 12 different supporters that you play in there. 12 different supporter cards. Not just 12 supporters, just 12 different cards. There are so many supporters. The four of Arvin, three of Iono, Penny, Misfortune Sisters, two of Erica's Invitation. Do you even know what that card does?
1: I mean, yeah, I played against this like Stall at my cup.
0: Oh, uh, what does it do? I, so what it does is your opponent
1: reveals their hand, and you put a basic Pokemon that you find there onto your opponent's bench. If you put a Pokemon onto their bench this way, um you I think move it. Switch that active,
0: active yeah, switch that Pokemon to the active spot. So very, very crazy. You play two of those bosses orders and Avery in there, and then you move into your one ofs. Peonia, Sydney, Giacomo silene and team yells cheer so so many supporter pokemon but you're also playing very 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 few pokemon only seven different pokemon so the space is made up somewhere no energy in this deck
1: i mean you're not going to attack right like the whole point i i've seen versions that like talk about playing crabominable in some form mm-hmm. but yeah this version just saying hey you might end up taking five prizes but the goal the only way you win is if you take all six so, I'm gonna, we're not gonna play three games. We're probably not even playing two. We're probably playing one game and then it's gonna finish. And if you don't beat me, I will deck you out. And that means I win. So, that's basically, mm-hmm. and it's hard. I, I think, I can't remember. Um, I'm sure there have been cards in the past, but you know, when Pidgey Odo and Pidgey Stall and Pidgey Control, when that was. Yeah, a deck, I know
0: that deck really well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know,
1: we've had other stall decks like this in the past in some form but I don't know if any of them have had
0: cards that
1: force your opponent to put Pokemon onto their bench from their hand. Right.
0: Uh, We've seen it in expanded. It was around for a little bit. Captivating Pokepuff. Okay. Is the card, but in standard format, it's been a long time.
1: Yeah. And so like you think to yourself, Oh, well I know how to play around this. I just, whatever my starter is, so long as it can attack, I'm just going to attack with that. I will not play another Pokemon down you know i don't need to retreat uh but yeah like you got to be wary of like your hand's going to build up and you know unless you just consistently iono and just never draw into pokemon which is possible mm-hmm. um your opponent's just going to start slamming things down with erica's and pal Padding and and,
0: and you... not only slamming it down but in that same effect bringing it to the active
1: yeah super annoying so then you have echoing horn too, which you can get back with Silene. So like if mm-hmm. you discard them, they can come back. It's just,
0: you can get like, Erica's invitation back with Silene.
1: Oh yeah. I mean like there's just, because
0: Silene is any card.
1: <laughs> it is, you know, and it's just kind of like, it's hard to avoid having yourself put into a really bad spot. There is not anything I can think of in standard format that turns off Snorlax's ability. Um, or if there is, it's definitely not played in any. Da- I don't know if Empoleon V is still in the format, but like <laughs> that's about
0: um, it. I don't know. It's a battle styles card. I think it is in format. I think so, it is E block.
1: I guess if you somehow want to play Empoleon V and have it as your starting in your Chin Pau deck, right? Like that's kind of it. Yeah, um, Empoleon
0: V is E block.
1: So like outside of that though, you, you don't got a lot. And then what happens? Oh, you play your Empoleon V. I guess Empoleon V will get through Mimikyu, too. But like, mm-hmm. even if you start getting through stuff, once they bench you, if they bench lock you with all V's and none of them have shred, throw that mimic up into the active, let you knock out everything else, and just be like, pass.
0: So pass. draw pass, draw pass, draw pass.
1: So yeah, I think it's a good shout out just to bring people's attention. If you are planning to play in any, I would say cups. I'd be it would be really I think strange to see this at a challenge, given the. Best of one nature of challenges. I used to play
0: Pidgeotto Control at literally any event.
1: Well, I mean, you know, you might get absolute savages like Jake and bring it to <laughs> just locals, not even a challenge. Yeah, just cup.
0: locals <laughs> in general. Just
1: my friendly locals. What are you playing today? I'm playing you don't play the deck. You know? So
0: I'm playing I want to get better at this deck. That's <laughs> yeah. what I was playing.
1: I'm like, hey, I'm happy to help you practice, but don't make it something I am a force <laughs> to sit through for our for my games. But anywho um i think it's a good shout but um yeah jake any any final words for this this week as people move deeper into the paradox Rift format
0: cloth is still the most fun deck to play it it. did well on stream
1: it yeah it did it did win a stream match and i i i sent out a thread about it too i was like it's happening
0: it's happening. I you and I both had the same thing. Like, I think I posted about it and then Sean texts me. He's like, Hey, this cloth match is happening if you want to post about it. And I was like, Great minds think alike. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, I love it. All right.
0: But either way, that was L A I C very, very cool to see the Paradox Meta go where it has been a bunch of surprises but i think the game is heading in a decent direction i feel like it was a lot of fun to watch and see how things played out but let us know what you're playing let us know what you're enjoying in the next event that you're going to thanks so much for watching the Metapod podcast the pokemon podcast revolves around the evolving meta we'll see you next week